You are listening to Be the Love, transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez, and we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. I'm Lara from Light Post by Lara. I'm the Tigers of the Light. This is Brad Panopoulos. Hi guys, this is Nina Sauer. This is Dig with Sacred Fire Arts. Namaste, my name is Ischilla Joy Davey, and you're listening to Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out the light and love and sending it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always have your breath to come back to you. Today we have Sally Kempton. Sally is a widely respected teacher of meditation and spiritual wisdom, known for her capacity to kindle meditative states in others and to help students work with meditative experience as a framework for practical life change. A former journalist who wrote for Esquire, New York, and The Village Voice, she has spent over four decades practicing, teaching, and writing on meditation and spiritual philosophy. Sally spent 20 years as a Swami and a traditional Vedic order of monks. She is deeply trained in the teaching of Kashmir Shavism, Vedanta, and other aspects of yoga philosophy. Sally is the author of the best-selling book, Awakening Shakti, The Transformative Power of the Goddess of Yoga and Meditation for the Love of It, which Spirituality and Health Magazine called the meditation book your heart wants to read. Her audio program, Doorways to the Infinite, The Art and Practice of Tantric Meditation, was released by Sounds True in 2014. She's on the faculty at Esalen and Kripalu and 1440 Multiversity, teaches meditation on the website glow.com, gaia.com, and yogajournal.com, and is a former contributing editor at Yoga Journal. 
Sally teaches regular online courses and seminars on meditation and spiritual philosophy and leads retreats and workshops in the US, Canada, and Europe. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Sally. Oh, thank you guys. I'm delighted to be here. Hmm. We're excited to dive in and, and have this beautiful conversation. And so it sounds like you've had quite the journey leading up to now. And so for le uh, listeners new to your work, can you share just a little bit about your journey? Uh, well, as you say, it was a long one. <laughs> so I got interested in spirituality in the early 70s um, and uh, spent over 30 years in an ashram uh, originally with my guru, Swami Muktananda, and left in the early aughts, began to teach uh, on my own and um, and have just continued this growth path over the years. It's been really an extraordinary journey. It's been very interesting and beautiful to watch how mainstream spirituality has become in the last 30 years. Uh, and uh, I'm very, very grateful to be a part of it. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something it looks, you know, that has become more mainstream yoga philosophy, um, working with Shakti energy seems like it's been very much more mainstream and coming into the West and people are gravitating toward that. At least in my experience, um, I know I've been gravitating toward that um, in the last 20 years or so myself. And I'd love to explore the awakening of Shakti and how this is such a beautiful time that this energy is becoming awakened in each of us and how, you know, creating this evolvement uh, for the planet to come into a place of love. So I'm wondering if we could tell a little bit about the work you've been doing around this and the role this plays in our current changing world with the divine masculine and divine feminine energies. I think it's pretty clear, and I'm sure that you, you guys have spoken about this in many podcasts, that there's a, there's an upheaval going on, which which is in the in the, you know, in the tradition of the goddess, in the tradition of Shakti, is both destructive and incredibly regenerative. So, you know, so when you read the papers, when you listen to NPR, which you know, which which I do regularly, and you realize how difficult things are in the world. It's very easy to feel despair. It's very easy to feel as though humanity is has somehow come to a crossroads that could very well end up denuding the planet of many species, including ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, what is it that's happening through this? upheaval that we as conscious beings can see in a in a different way and my experience is that there is a kind of profound karmic reckoning cleansing going on on the planet and you know in in our socio-political lives part of it is of course just the cycles of reality uh, and part of it i you know i believe along with many people is offering an opportunity for a profound leap in consciousness mm -hmm. that uh, I feel as though I've been personally preparing for for many, many years. I think that's true of a number of us. And 
though you know we have no idea of the outcome, but one of the things we we are beginning to understand is how much our interconnection to the divine underpinnings of the world is is crucial not only for our personal journey uh, but for actually making a difference on the planet so my work is really about that connection about finding your own personal connection to the divine within whether you see the divine in a formless form or in a feminine form or a masculine form it's you know it's really our connection to the felt space of awakened consciousness that is going to make the difference and so I just try to help people show people what it means for them as we explore the possibilities. Mm. So I, I can be more specific, but you know, I, I, I think your question was relating to, you know, kind of the general, oh my God, that we're all feeling these days. Mm. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of upheaval and I think a lot of shifts happening and a lot of people are feeling that and sometimes not really sure how to manage some of those energies. And so I'm wondering if you can, yeah, go a little deeper and tap into like, how, how do we tap into that divine part of ourselves to manage that upheaval that's happening within as well as without? The traditional methods of meditation, prayer, um, you know, what we call in the Indian, especially in the tantric tradition, bhavana, in other words, creating attitudes that through which you look at the world. These are, these are today as ever really the methods. So I, my own experience is that it's utterly necessary for real contact with your inner source. It's utterly necessary to meditate, to meditate regularly. Uh, the other piece that I've, uh, I've spent many years working with in which I'm very much returning to these days is the process of invocation, which in, you know, in the goddess traditions of India is often done through mantra and chanting. So to, to work with a mantra, especially a mantra that, that is empowered for you is probably the quickest I would even say the safest way to make a divine connection. Mm. And uh, it's very simple, you know, it's very traditional. It's not, it's not uh, way original, but it is the most effective method I know. And in my own life, there's nearly always some, uh, some Sanskrit chant that I'm practicing regularly because again, I've found that, that the, the, the resonance of some of these chants, and Sanskrit is not the only language in which resonant, uh, resonant words occur, but these, these chants, which are thousands of years old, which have been used to clear the atmosphere, to cure your psychic atmosphere, uh, really to change the consciousness of the energy around you, that these are profoundly helpful in, um, you know, I, I, liter I have literally found that, that the, the sound, but you know, the vibrational resonance of certain chants will absolutely transform the atmosphere of a room, of, you know, the space around it, 
of your garden. And that the more of us are, are really willing to tap into this profound sacred science of Mencha, mm -hmm. the, more our, the more our voices can resonate. So, I, th so those are really my recommendations, mm. meditation and mantra. And whatever we do to transform the way we think about reality. Mm -hmm. I completely, yeah, resonate with that, you know, as far as like the sound, the frequency of sound, which can be so powerful and, and change that, the vibration of something I've, I've experienced just oming with others. And when you have a group of, you know, people who are oming, whether <laughs> you're doing it all in sync or doing a, what they call waterfall, oming where you're all doing it at this time, you know, as you're needing to, is it um, at different um, intervals, which can be super powerful. And so it sounds like there's, because um, you, you mentioned other mantras and maybe finding a mantra that resonates with, with you based on maybe what you're wanting to work on, or maybe um, with a got another a goddess energy. Um, so how how would one like find a mantra that would really connect with their own energy? Like what would be the first step someone would need to do to to find that? Uh, well, traditionally, of course, you you receive a mantra from a teacher. Um, I would say that the most important thing in a mantra is that it it be it have the resonance of a particular lineage, which is. You know, and the, the energy of the lineage will empower and enliven the mantra. So when you begin repeating it, it's, you know, you have the, you have the backup, really, of the centuries of practice that have gone into it. So if you don't have a connection with a specific lineage, which, of course, many of us don't, um, what I recommend is working with a, one of the famous traditional mantras, which can be something like Om or Om Namah Shivaya uh, or one of the goddess mantras. And the question, you know, I, in my book, Awakening Shakti, I actually offer a series of mantras, mantras connected with partic particular goddess energies. And if you, if you are choosing a mantra on your own, then you have to enliven it for yourself. And the way you do that is by practicing with it, you know, and, and practicing with it many times a day. Um, what many people do with mantra is they, is they get a mala and they, you know, they say the mantra accompanying it by moving the mala beads, which essentially keeps track of it. And, you know, if you get really serious about enlivening a mantra, you can do it in a few months with regular practice. Once that started to happen, once the mantra has really cooked in you, what it begins, what begins to happen is that it starts to descend into your subtle body and to literally transform or transmute what I call, it's it's a little bit too physical a term, but it's it's evocative, what I call the the atoms and molecules of your consciousness and of your inner body. And it's what mantra is able to do is penetrate through layers of yourself that we can't get to physically and that we can't get to intellectually. So that because at the deepest core, we are composed of vibration and light. And 
you know, so what the mantra does is, is really um, alchemize the vibratory energy in our system. And I would say if you're, if you want to practice with a mantra uh, and, you know, and you don't, and you don't have a teacher, then I would suggest that you choose a mantra like Om Namah Shivaya or Om or Om Namo Narayanaya. I'm giving you uh, Sanskrit mantras. They're also, of course, mm-hmm. great mantras in the Christian tradition, in the Sufi tradition, um, and and in you know in the Buddhist traditions. Find one that you feel a connection to, and this requires some you know some capacity for turning within, discovering your own connection, and then just decide that you're going to enliven it for yourself and uh and you can do it and i'm wondering um is going into that is if someone were to find that you know maybe a mantra that they resonate with or maybe they find a teacher but what is the intention behind that so what would someone what would be the best practice for setting an intention going into uh mantra practice uh well i think the best intention for any practice is, may this be a benefit to all beings, including myself mm-hmm. and my friends and relatives. But, you know, but having that, that fundamental wish for your practice to be a benefit is, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not only a great intention for, for helping us transcend our um, rudimentary human selfishness, it also helps the mantra actually do what you intend it to do mm. you know and and it's also of course you can you can practice anything with a personal intention you know may this be a benefit to my health may i you know may my problems be resolved you you know there's there's no reason not to to bring your personal concerns into your practice in the form of intention mm. but i you know it should always be accompanied by a general wish for the well-being of all and for the earth. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes, we're like really focusing on outward, but like cleansing the inner, which which does manifest on the outward and and um, magnetizes or has that ripple effect to the outward. So the intention of like yeah, clearing that energy in the greater greater world. It's beautiful. Well, one of the one of the great, I, I would say the greatest teachings of Buddhism is the, is the teaching of bodhicitta, which, you know, bodhicitta, I'm, as I'm sure you know, means, means awakened heart-mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the root of bodhicitta is the desire for all beings to be free, you know, for, for all beings to be enlightened, for all beings to love. And, and, tr- you know, and it takes quite a bit of inner work to, to begin to make this your own genuine motivation. Mm-hmm. Because we, you know, we're generally motivated by the desire to make our own lives better and the lives of our friends and family better. Uh, and it's, you know, a very interesting part of spiritual practice is learning how to keep those things in balance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the, the understanding of bodhicitta, every, you know, at the core of it is everything is a part of myself. My own consciousness is is the consciousness that's at the heart of everything in this world. Mm-hmm. So there is no one suffering. 
that is not going to affect me. And there's no one's happiness that isn't my happiness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, so all the practices that we do can be informed with this understanding and with this, this really deep wish for the enlightened freedom and love of all beings. And, you know, that's, it's a very nice sentiment. You know, we all feel really good when we're thinking like that, but to make it actual for yourself, uh, to make it real for yourself, to, to actually look into your own motivations and see where you hold back mm. is necessary and really makes a huge difference. And this is how we, tr we personally transform. Mm. And recognizing that there's really no separation between myself and, and others. And we, we are all one consciousness. Yeah, we are all one consciousness and, and we are all unique, you know, which is one of the great paradoxes of reality. You know, we, right. all, we all have our own wisdom, our own love, our own karma, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to somehow, to, to learn what your path is, your personal path is, the path that allows you in all your uniqueness, you know, to, to, to overcome the qualities that keep us stuck and, and, you know, unable to connect to others in the world. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a whole inner cleansing aspect of spiritual practice that, that is, is kind of easy to forget when we're, you know, when we're doing um, sort of exalted, let's change the cosmos mm -hmm. types, of, types of awareness. So, so, to always be looking inside with enormous humility and realizing, you know, in what way am I not walking my talk? In what way am I, you know, am I not really able to, to be open-hearted and intimate? And, you know, on the other hand, in what way do I need to have stronger boundaries? In what way do I need to, you know, clean up my company, my diet, my, all my programs, uh, you know, so it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful and interesting journey. Mm -hmm. journey. You know, it's, in it's positive in the, you know, the, the positive actions that we take and what I, you know, we could call the remedial mm -hmm. or purificatory actions that we take. Absolutely. And it takes a big a, um, level of awareness to really tap into to that energy. And, and so I'm wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, maybe even using mantras or, you know, other practices to evoke the goddess energies to manifest our deepest desires and the things, the changes that we want to make in our lives. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the practices that, that I do personally and that I I advocate in my courses and classes and in, in Awakening Shakti. Um, I'm gonna show you this book because it's got, it's got so much information in it that I could mm -hmm. not possibly convey in the amount of time we have. So there's a couple of practices. One is working with a goddess mantra, which is crucial. Uh, and, you know, for instance, m almost all of the Hindu deities have uh, Gayatri mantras associated with them. And a Gayatri mantra is a three part, it's a three line mantra in which we 
let's say you're invoking Lakshmi, the, the goddess of love and abundance, mm -hmm. who is always a, a great energy to bring into your space mm -hmm. because she is the most profoundly positive of, you know, one of the most profoundly positive deity energies that you can connect to. So there is a Gayatri mantra associated with, with Lakshmi, which goes, um, and this means I, I invoke, I, I invoke the presence, or actually we invoke the presence of Lakshmi. We meditate on great Lakshmi. May Lakshmi illuminate our mind. And you know, as I say, that the form of that mantra is adapted to different deities. So. Is a Durga one that goes Om Katyaya Naye Kanyakumari Dimahi Tano Durgi Prechodaya, which refers to her under the name Katyayani, um, and uh, and also to to her uh, to her young girl form as mm -hmm. Kanyakumari. So most of these of these mantras invoke the traditional name of the goddess. Uh, some of her attributes and and as you say such a mantra the Gayatri mantras are extremely powerful as you say as you work with this mantra you get a more and more of an internal sense of the energy of this particular goddess within you um, another practice and uh, I actually have a meditation CD called Shakti meditations which is in which we do visual meditations of I think 11 different Hindu goddesses. And in this practice, you would, you would use a, a murti, you know, a, a, a statue of a goddess or a painting, or you would use a yantra, which is a, a um, geometrical representation of, of the form of the goddess. And you know, in, in the tantric tradition, and in Indian, Indi Indic spirituality in general, there's an understanding that, that deities, that divine forms have three different forms. One is the mantra, the sound form. One is called the stula form, the, the, um, the physical representation, which corresponds to our physical body. Uh, though, of course, it's a much subtler body. And the the yantra form, the geometric form, which usually consists of, uh, of triangles, squares, and circles arranged in a particular pattern, and it, which you can meditate on. It's a visual form that you can meditate on. The most famous one being the Sri Yantra, which, which Stacy is wearing around her neck. So, <laughs> so you could use that, that Sri Yantra form as a, as a way of meditating on the great goddess, because it is it is the yantra that represents uh, what I call the ultimate goddess who has different names, but you know, who is the one creative power in the universe. So that's how you, you get close to goddesses. You, you use a mantra, you do a visualization, and uh, I, can do a vis I can do a meditation with you a little bit later on with one of the goddesses. Um, and you actually cultivate the skill of bringing her into your own body. You know, the, the traditional way of practicing with deity energies is to, is to actually breathe them into your own heart. 
so connecting to an individual goddess form, whether visually or through a mantra. And, and there's a the payoff, so to speak, to this practice. And I can tell you from my own experience that, that this really happens, is that you begin to experience a presence inside yourself, almost as though your energy body had, has been infused with, with the quality of this deity. And it's at that point that you as an individual being begin to be empowered uh, by this divine, you know, this divine energy. And it begins to move through you. And at that point, your words and actions carry that energy. You know, it's, it's what gives us healing, healing hands, for instance. It's what gives our words the ability to make a difference to people. And by cultivating that, that energy, by cultivating a particular goddess, we literally empower our own, our own goddess. And this is, you know, this applies equally to the masculine deities. Um, it's an extraordinary alchemical process that, you know, that people have been doing for thousands and thousands of years. And it's, it's you know, I would say it is the ultimate self-empowerment technology. So um, I have a, a question for you. So when, you know, after we uh, do the meditation, the mantras invoke, you know, whatever, whatever deity we, we uh, desire, and, you know, we feel that presence in us, what is the next step for us? Um, and what I mean when I say that is, you know, is, is there anything specific that we have to do? Like, do we, do we communicate with this deity about our, you know, what our intention is, why, why we called it, you know, um, um, to us or, you know, just the, the deity kind of once they're in, they're like, okay, well, you know, I kind of know what's going on and we just let the deity kind of do their work. What happens after we, we uh, are able to bring them in? Well, to, to a certain extent, we, it, it's important to, to, just, to just allow the, that energy to integrate within us. But of course, you know, most of us invoke divine presences for help. You know, uh, Anne Lamott has a, great, has a great statement. She says there, there are three kinds of, there are only three basic prayers. One is help, one is thank you, and one is wow. So, so you find a way to express the wow. You know, in other words, I feel you. I feel your, you know, the sparkling crystalline energy that is coming into me or the deep peace that's coming into me through this practice. And you say, thank you. And, and then you ask for help. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for direct petitionary prayer. So whatever it is that, that you're struggling with, at a certain point, you learn that you can turn it over. Um, and, you know, and every religion in the world has, you know, some form of this, you know, of this encouragement to turn your troubles and your desires over to the divine, mm -hmm. understanding that they can actually take care of it. Uh, and we, you know, we learn this over time. It's obviously, it's, it's you know, it's mysterious doesn't always happen in the way that you think it will. But as you become more familiar, um, and as your, as your consciousness gets transmuted by your relationship with these energies, 
uh, you become actually much more comfortable in asking for help. You begin to realize that that the that deity, you know, Shakti, is in every particle of the world. So can be invoked anywhere and in anything, and actually has the power to to show up in in many different situations. So as long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not, um, how shall I say, uh, as long as you're not expecting the results to come in the next two minutes and are willing to, to really explore the ways in which your prayers and invocations are answered, then all of this, you know, everything about your life and I, I, just, I say this from my own experience and from the experience of you know, many, many of the people I work with, even though life has its struggles and sometimes its tragedies, mm-hmm. that, that, that the, what you do with this energy is constantly fall back into it. You know, so that it's very much like having you know, an invisible friend, if you will. So, uh, you know, and not only as children, but as adults, this sense that there is, there is a presence that has your back, that cares about you, that is there in the middle of sickness, that is there when, you're, you know, when your lover leaves you, that's there when your kids get in trouble at school, you know, it, that's there at the end of your life. That, that feeling, uh, the more you can cultivate it, the more you can turn inside and ask, where are you? Let me feel you. You know, the more intimate that relationship becomes, and eventually you do realize that the deity is you. There's, there's not, there is nothing outside. But in my experience, we need to approach the divine with a sense of relationship. It's a very important practice called, you know, second person spirituality, the I-thou relationship that Martin Buber talks about, and we can, you know, we can learn to live in the both and that, yes, everything is within us. There is no such thing as an external God, or as one of my friends says, that, God, that version of God that you don't believe in doesn't actually exist. And yet, at the same time, just as we have bodies, you know, just as, just as trees, there are individual trees and individual fish, there are individual forms of the primordial shakti, which we call deities, who are real and who exist on subtler levels than we do, and yet ultimately dissolve into the self. So holding that paradox is really the heart of Tantra and um, kind of what I've spent my life contemplating. That's really beautiful. I think it's really you know, just to recognize and to understand that concept that there really is no out there, it's all within us. And so, but when we, you know, take the energy and we can bring it in and, and, and feel that energy, um, we recognize that that has been there all along. Um, and so the, um, wondering how, you know, someone might use the deities to maybe heal trauma or the shadow self um, to ultimately tap into that, the healing pieces of it and tap into the vibration of love for themselves and for others. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, that's, so what, what deity practice is, is the practice of forging direct connections to the power of grace, you know, which, which is the, really the primordial energy of healing in the universe. And there are many, many ways to tap into grace. One of which is just to, you know, open your heart and ask, but um, the practice that I, I have done and that I offer other people and have done for many years is to actually imagine the form of the form of deity, which doesn't have to be a physical form, which can just be a, a feeling form, to imagine that in front of me and breathe in their energy with the feeling that that it's coming into me and healing whatever has to be healed. Then breathing that energy out. You just did it, you did a lovely meditation at the beginning of this conversation of you know, breathing in light from the universe and breathing, breathing it out. And this is essentially the, you know, the healing practice is, is you breathe in, you breathe in light, you breathe in healing, you breathe in love, and, and then you, you breathe it out. And often you don't feel it. Yeah. Often you're just kind of doing a fake it till you make it. But as you keep up such practices, as I know, you know, and and begin to direct them, you know. I mean, for example, let's say you have a pain in your shoulder, and you you imagine breathing in the, the grace of goddess or the light of Shiva into your shoulder, uh, and feel that it's it's actually moving the energy, the stuck energy in that part of your body, opening it up. Um, it it just at a certain point you begin to be able to to really dissolve pain or to you know to, let's say to to assimilate pain um up to a certain point i mean there's certain forms of physical suffering that are very difficult to <laughs> to mantra away <laughs> but in general the you know the the ordinary pains in the body mind can be um can be healed by that very simple practice of you know breathing breathing light and love into them mm-hmm. and uh and letting it letting it dissolve and transmute the feeling and yeah recognizing that the energy the emotional energy is that of just energy so transmuting it sounds like just with the say the goddess energy or the energy of the light and love and put moving it into that space would ultimately transmute that that energy yeah you know it isn't you know it's an it's a famous alchemical principle the subtle overwhelms the gross so so when you infuse subtle energy into your physicality and that that would include situations then the, that subtle energy is going to change the situation, sometimes very subtly, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes so subtly that it takes a while before you realize what's happening. I, I'll tell you a dramatic, fairly dramatic story. And this has happened, this happened in my life over and over and over again. And it, you know, it has to do with mantra. Uh, I've been sitting with people who were quarreling with each other or enormously angry at each other. Um, 
considered trying to intervene in the situation, realized that it wasn't my place, and then sat there with him, very deeply focusing on mantra, and watched the the energy that's produced kind of diffuse the situation. So, and that is what alchemy really is. It's like it's what you can do, you know, with with intention and and a you know a well thought out spiritual technology. You can diffuse a lot of situations, um, you know. And again, I don't know how well this works in a you know shooting war, <laughs> but. <laughs> But I do know a lot of, of service people who who use these te- these practices to keep themselves centered, you know. Mm. So, uh, so I I think it does make a difference. Mm. That's beautiful, and I think it also, like you alluded to, you know, I think consistency is key. So to really be consistent with these practices, to really notice the the shifts in your own energy, and and to have the receive the benefit. Yeah, and it's it's actually very helpful to to keep a journal, mm. you know, even if you just write a you know a few lines in it. Because when you look back o- over your journey through the journal, you actually start to see what the effects of certain practices are, and more than that, what the effect of the attitude with which you practice. You know, we're always going to have days when we're not very interested. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the practice is dry. Uh, when it's really hard to get ourselves to, you know, to the to do our asana or our meditation, and this is absolutely normal. Mm-hmm. The, th- the thing is, if you can keep yourself doing it, even when you don't feel like doing it, even if it means that you, you know, you you meditate for ten minutes instead of half an hour, just getting yourself to the into the posture mm-hmm. uh, is um, is is incredibly important mm-hmm. yeah i come back to it's better to meditate at least 10 minutes a day versus one hour one day a week yeah um, so that consistency is key yeah yeah and there's a uh you know for instance when you're when you're paddling a canoe um you know or a kayak there will be times when you have to paddle against the current and you know and it's it's difficult. It's not that pleasant. Um, you'd like to you know get out of the water or follow the current, but the effort that we make to paddle the canoe against the current is what strengthens our arm muscles. You know, it's what it's what really gives us the chops that we need. You know, to you know to become more and more expert in the practice, and it's the same is true in spiritual life. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's hard, if you keep at it, you get better. Absolutely, yeah, it's beautiful. And so I'm wondering, um, I'd like to maybe shift gears a little bit and talking just about love. And so I read this article on your website um, that was part of connecting to love as a sadhana or spiritual practice. Um, And just to kind of, you know, I think there's a lot of people that struggle with just the concept of self-love and being able to connect with that source and what that truly means. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about this and how we can truly connect to that source of love within ourselves and with, you know, to, to share that with others at the true essence of what love really is. Well, I, I have found that if you're feeling out of touch with love, that the word love is a hard word. In other words, if someone tells us that, you know, so if people, if, 
people start talking about love and we're not feeling it, it automatically puts us in touch with our own unlove. So I prefer to use words like tenderness, acceptance, mm -hmm. welcoming, sweetness, you know, just to ask people, can you feel a little bit of tenderness around your heart? Can you touch your, your arm, you know, or your shoulder or your face tenderly and, and just, just feel the impulse of tenderness? In other words, when, you, when you're challenged in the area of self-love, to, to be physically nice to yourself, you know, to, to do things that are, that are actually, that actually kindle that sense of tenderness, which can be as simple as, you know, as taking a bath, which is of course something that, um, that many of us use as a self-care practice. Uh, I think that, you know, given that we live in a society in which most of us for generations have not received the kind of love that, you know, that, that creates an easeful relationship to our own self. You know, most of us are the children of people who, who were out of touch with their own love, who may have loved us as best they could, but who didn't really know how to kindle that feeling in us, you know, who didn't, who couldn't meet us, who couldn't see us with that loving eye. And so we need to give it to ourselves. And I, I know that you, this is what you work with. One of the, one of the uh, practices that I often do, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you guys may know this practice as well, is to look at, look into my own eyes in the mirror and imagine myself sending love to the person I see in the mirror. And there's something about that practice that, you know, first of all, the person you see in the mirror doesn't necessarily feel like you. So, mm -hmm. and, and for many of us, it's easier to be loving towards another person than it is to be loving towards ourselves. But to, you know, when you do that, when you do that mirror practice, it will eventually kindle that tender feeling in yourself. So uh, I, you know, I consider self-love to be probably the life work, the hardest life work mm -hmm. any of us do. And and I it's very important to to realize that uh, it's not an overnight process, and that if love is too big a word, how about I accept myself, I welcome myself, I feel tender for myself, I forgive myself, I forgive myself for that stupid thing I said, you know. And if you can't forgive yourself, to you know to work with that, like okay. I'd forgive my child if they said that. Can I forgive myself like I'd forgive the child? So it's a sadhana, it really is. And um, and there are many, many aspects to it. Uh, what I've found over the years, because it was all, you know, it was definitely as much of a problem for me as it is for anybody else in, in um, modern day America, is that, you know, you, you practice it, you practice coming back to tenderness, you practice talking back to your negative, you know, critical inner voices, you practice talking back to, you know, your critical mother in your own head. And little by little, you begin to realize that, oh, actually, I'm a pure being. I'm, I'm actually a pretty good person. Mm -hmm. Even though I do incredibly stupid things sometimes, I'm still a pretty good person. And just those, 
those little moments, those little incremental moments, are uh, are what this song is about. That's beautiful, and recognizing that you know our actions don't define us. You know, I mean, like when we're willing to look at it and say, "Oh, I made a mistake," you yeah. know, and recognizing that, that mistake doesn't have to define you. And and one of the the things that even you know I've learned over the years, and that I teach my clients of you know to look at some of those things, even if like love or acceptance, forgiveness even are too hard to get to, just even softening it with, okay, well, I'm open or willing to begin to start forgiving myself for, for this. And so just opening space for that can be really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yes. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, um, one thing I think is also very important to, um, first of all, I, I think that, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror is probably one of the most intimate things you can do with yourself because yeah. it's it's raw it's vulnerable i mean it's just you and you you know um but another thing that i find really important too is like um you were saying sally and like you were saying as well stacy is you know it's 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 okay to not you know dive deeply in love with yourself right away. A lot of us really don't know how to do that, especially, you know, the society we grew up in. Our parents didn't know how to do that. Their parents didn't know how to do that. Um, and yeah, we, we all make a lot of mistakes. And, uh, but I think the most important thing is once you acknowledge the mistake, you drop the mistake. You know, yeah. okay, I, I messed up here. That's it. Not, oh, I messed up here. And, you know, I always mess up and because we could have that inner dialogue and it's instant, you know, we have to catch ourselves right away. Um, So I'm wondering, Sally, so once, you know, if if we are, you know, talking in the mirror, you know, I made a mistake on A, B and C, how can we get better at not having that inner dialogue go right away? For some of us, me included, sometimes it's just subconscious it just starts, you know, so how can we uh, start to cultivate a practice to where, you know, that little voice will, you know, drop in volume and maybe not answer so fast? Well, this is why I believe mantra is so important. You know, whether it's a a mantra in a sacred language like Sanskrit, or a mantra that you do, you know, such as my real nature is love and awareness, you know, which is a mantra uh, that, and you, you cultivate it over a period of time, eventually that becomes the default. So, so when that, that nasty voice comes up, I discovered this during a period when I was going through a lot of self-criticism and it was, you know, there are certain times in sadhana when all your shit comes up and, you know, and it's like, it's like you're, you're inundated with kind of waterfalls of negativity that you, you know, you normally, uh, don't even realize that you're carrying, but what spiritual practice does is it, you know, it, it opens your eyes to what's going on inside. And it, 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 in this particular time, it was really, really painful. I would wake up every morning, just, you know, hating myself and everybody around me. And in pure self-defense, I started, I would, I would wake up in the morning and I would start to, to say my mantra. I would say it over and over and over again, you know, all the way through breakfast by which time I would, you know, the, the mantra's power would have cleared out that level of negativity. Over time, the mantra transformed my, my negative mental tendencies to an astonishing degree uh, in a relatively short time. Mm. So I think it's 
it's very important to have a kind of core practice of where you there's something you can inject into your mind, um, you know, that's going to counter any negative voices, and that you know, and that in times when you're doing that, uh, you you get to the point where you can go to that other form of speech almost automatically. Mm. That's beautiful because you're ultimately changing the vibration of that energy through the vibration of sound and the same time replacing it with a maybe a positive mantra or affirmation because we're so used to seeing those negative affirmations and so it makes sense yeah that'll replace that yeah and and event, and you know, ultimately um essentially a lot of what this kind of practice does is it clean, cleans out your subconscious which means it cleans out your karmic tendencies mm-hmm. and you you know you may not even know why it is that you have certain feelings about yourself, what it is, what is behind your, you know, your, your almost terminal guilt or shame or whatever it is. And, and, uh, you know, you can go back at your childhood, you can look at the traumas that have given rise to it. But as we all know, looking at the trauma, intellectually understanding the trauma does not make it go away. So mm-hmm. it's these subtle practices, mm-hmm. these subtle clearing practices that 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 literally replace the negative samskaras, the negative impressions with with not just positive ones, but but ones that connect you to your divine source. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the most those are the most powerful, and those that's necessary. You know, we mm-hmm. we're not going to get through our lives um, at this point without doing that work. Mm-hmm. And and. I think it's important to say, yeah, it's a practice and going back to, yeah, that, that consistency and it takes time, but over time you do see the difference. Yeah. 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 And another thing that, that I found really helpful is to have the attitude of I'm in training. Mm. I don't have to be perfect. I know I'm not, I'm in training Mm. and, and, you know, so in other words, I'm an experiment. I'm an exploration. Mm-hmm. And how great is that that I'm willing to to be to be in training mm-hmm. by the guru of life itself. You know? I so, absolutely love that. Yeah, that's a wonderful way to look at it. Yeah. 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 And so it once, helps you okay. make the mistakes also. <laughs> Makes it far less scary to say. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, now I have now I have room for error. You know, I don't have to do this perfect right away. Like, I feel like I have to do everything. (laughs) Takes the pressure off for sure. Yeah. The humanness pressure off the humanness Mm -hmm. or being human, letting letting us be human. (laughs) Yeah. So, Sally, I'm wondering if you could lead us through a meditation today. Sure. Why don't we do a a meditation on the goddess Lakshmi? Mm. Uh, sort of in the same style as the initial meditation that you did with us so why don't why don't we all kind of get our posture a little bit more upright feel the ground groundedness between our sit bones and the seat just feel the, the sit bones sinking into the seat inhale down towards the sit bones with the the, the feeling of grounding exhale upward feeling that your breath lifts the spine up through the crown. A 
And just let your awareness be with the breath for a moment. Not trying to change it. Now feel that seated in front of you is the figure of a love-infused golden feminine form. Whether you visualize her or not, sense her presence, sense how absolutely ready this being is to be with you in this moment. And for a moment, just allow yourself to breathe and open yourself to feeling the presence of Goddess Lakshmi, who is the deity of every form of abundance, who heals our physical and emotional difficulties, who fertilizes our lives, who fulfills our desires, and who is absolute light form of divine love. As you breathe in, feel that your heart connects to the heart of Lakshmi, that you're breathing in her love, the love from her heart into yours, and that with the exhalation, you allow that love to spread through your body. So you're simply receiving from the goddess. We'll just sit for a moment or two, aware of her presence, feeling the intention of her heart flowing into us as we inhale and feeling that love that is her essence flowing through our body with the exhalation. Now, as you inhale, feel that you inhale Lakshmi into your heart in the form of love, of golden light, of the feeling of pure abundance and radiance. And allow her to nestle into your own heart, asking that her presence live in you. Om Shreem Hreem Mahalakshmi Namaha. And you can open your eyes. What beautiful. Thank you so much. I just felt Lakshmi's energy just vibrating through my entire being. And um, I just, I wanted to share a story that I was remembering also as I was on a road trip with some friends last year and my car was having a hard time getting up the hill. It was starting to act funny and make some funny um, sounds and stuff. And so my, my friends, my goddess friends and I, we got out of the car and we like called in Lakshmi's energy 
just around the car and we were dancing to some beautiful um kirtan music and and all of a sudden my car started to um start back up and, and move again and so it was just like a beautiful yeah it was just a powerful experience to have so thank you for for walk bringing us to that energy with Lakshmi that's a great story <laughs> great story how is that for you Sam um that was that was also really um it was almost like cleansing for me um and i'm 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 pretty good at visualizing but i'm more i'm more into the feeling so when the last time you said um you know to visualize lakshmi's uh loving energy going into your heart my heart started to burn mm -hmm. um so you know i kind of knew like okay you know and, and it was kind of it was a it was a almost like two explanations like yeah i felt the love go in but I could also feel that, you know, my heart was a little resistant of it, but also curious, you know, if, the, if that makes sense. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it, uh, you know, it, it felt really, like I said, it felt really cleansing and yeah, I just kind of, I feel uh, empty, but in a good way, you know, like kind of flushed, I guess you could say. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So thank you so much, Sally. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on. Uh, I'm um, my website is sallykempton.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, but uh, so there's you know material on Facebook, uh, and the the name of my Facebook site is Sally Kempton Awakened Heart. One word, mm -hmm. Facebook. Uh, however that however you do Facebook. Um, and uh, I'm starting a course in, in early October, which actually by when this, when this podcast airs, there will still be the possibility of, of taking it. It's called Cultivating Shakti. And it is, it is actually about the practices that we do to bring our sense of connection to that, that primordial, that positive primordial energy. Mm. And also to, to help us assimilate the the dark side of Shakti, uh, which you know we're experiencing in a lot of ways these days. So that starts October seventh, and uh, runs for five weeks, and it consists of lectures, uh, a lot of you know audio meditations. Um, there's a there's a great community, listserv community that's very supportive, question and answers. It's a pretty full on uh, audio course with some Zoom elements. And you can find out about that on uh, sallykempton.com. Beautiful. And we can add all your links to our show notes as well. Right. right. So, yeah. So thank you, Sally, for being here with us today and sharing your experience and creating this conscious conversation. It's absolutely beautiful. And thank you for the work you're doing. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's so neat. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, 
love yourself love each other and love the world we love you love you guys take care we'll talk to you later we at be the love podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi foundation which is the nonprofit organization in uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor mentor, volunteer, or sponsor. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.